Greetings, this is Larry D. Giles. I've been away from recording for a little bit as I was focusing my effort on uh, preparing for the McGuffey Arts Center reading. But I find uh, writing is uh, very good for me. And so this is one chapter I'm working on uh, currently for The Boy Beside the Woods. The title is Two Forks. And in this piece, I'm dealing with some, I would say, rather complicated ideas. Basically, locality is affected by many factors, both known and unknown. Human connections, like locality, are complicated as well. Family, community, ancestral and cultural ties are profound and intricate, both known and unknown. We are aware of some, unaware of others. Some affect us profoundly. Others affect us in ways we don't have access to, emotionally, spiritually, or otherwise. And let me see if I can get back to this without uh, making a mistake. Two forks. Two forks. This is currently in process. I'm working on it from the boy beside the woods. In our small community between the two forks, we were connected in ways we knew and in ways we didn't know. In fact, there were not just two forks, but three, four or five forks. One stood up straight in the sassafras and honeysuckle. Another squatted with a snub-nosed mailbox or no marker at all. Another, strange as a floating cloud, resisted saying where it was. All remembered and knew something. And then again, I forget if they knew anything. By way of foot in his late teens, or maybe earlier, my grandfather did tell me eventually he had met one, then another and another, eventually settling for the two closest to the land my grandmother's father had given her, the man who was either Claiborne, a name my father inherited, or Alfred the lines blurred and twisted in the undergrowth, and the girl he liked most was not the one he was encouraged to marry. Counting and keeping records was nobody's strong suit. Sometimes the Bible remembered, but other times the Bible had gone walking till all that was left was a word, sometimes the word, Everyone didn't believe in either, but something kept everyone connected. 
At times, everything was only necessity and habit. At other times, random meeting and occurrence. I think it was both random and essential my uncle was drawn to his friend. As I was too young to know exactly what their friendship involved or how it began, I sensed its importance. But it may also have been a vague importance that also may have connected all the people I knew randomly or otherwise. <coughs> Excuse me. The man who always wore a hat and work coat was also a man I kind of knew and kind of didn't know. He lived in one or more places, one on the dirt road where I lived briefly with my father and stepmother, then later on the road that connected the two forks close to my grandfather's farmhouse. It seemed he also may have lived somewhere else, but I don't know where. He was my mother's second husband's brother, I think. Maybe his uncle. It was hard to keep track. Our small community had many nooks and crannies and gates turning this way and that. A few I never went down. The nooks peeped over slopes and bumps and you never always saw where they ended up. The low dip, perhaps, before the back of the pond. My great-grandfather's property that was back over in there somewhere. I saw Joe Lewis as randomly as I would see anyone not directly a part of my family. I guess not so often. In a truck at the gate, driving down the long, dusty lane to the house across the field. He was never Mr. Lewis or Mr. Joe Lewis, but Joe Lewis, as though I should already know who he was. Just like his uncle Clanks, who lived with his granddaddy's white neighbors. <coughs> Despite his tendency to come and go in my life as he pleased, he seemed to be always driving. <laughs> I would imagine his dark hands on the wheel more easily than seeing his face. There were lots and lots of people like him, real people, whom I only knew a little something about. Sometime the little something was a big something. My mother's childhood had been similar, though mostly she never told me largely because things went so quickly for her. She didn't have a chance to tell me. She divorced my father when I was six or so, and some of her words had maybe been taken, or either she didn't know them because there was barely a school to give them. Same with her mother and great-grandfather, and her father had totally disappeared, or only came around once. Even with lots of unknowing, my mother had known lots of people and had lots of friends, but most of this I only understood a little at a time, if at all. I think some of the friends acted funny probably after and before the divorce, and in many ways after her divorce and quick remarriage, 
my mother became a stranger to me. Despite some ambiguity, Joe Lewis was my mother's neighbor when she lived on the dirt road between two forks. He was the father of the boys my sister and I sometimes played with. Like the several children, mostly boys, the wife was friendly with my stepmother. I learned she had also been friendly with my mother. They had a girl, too, but she was only a visitor once in a while. Especially pretty. She reminded me of my grandmother's people, but she was also remarkably smiley and social, unlike them. She lived away with an aunt or someone, I think, and when she came around, it was like a celebration, or our friends had something special we didn't have. The man whose name seemed more important than he was, was also my uncle's work buddy. When my uncle wasn't drinking, which was not often, he rode with his friend to a lumber mill in Maryland about three or four hours away, I think in La Plata, where just the two of them, I think, would have to drive over a long, long bridge so narrow and tentative you would have thought you were suspended over a jungle, an ocean. I went across it one time with my mother and some of my siblings. I don't remember her new husband being with us, and generally my sister and I didn't ride with him. It may have been one of the times he was riding. She was hiding from her husband. He could be mean and abusive. My mother <coughs> was visiting her mother and stepfather, whom both adored, who had moved to New Jersey, maybe Chester. I remember how scary the bridge was and that my mother was not bothered by the bridge. But the flies in my grandmother's city apartment, she was bothered about. So was I, even though I was tiny as a fly. The flies were so bothersome we couldn't sleep. And the place my mother had run to for solace, in some ways, wasn't solace at all. In spite of the flies, the step-grandfather would talk a time or two, though in many ways he was mostly secretive as an old hat. Though more loving, he sometimes reminded me of my mother's second husband, the one she was running from. Exceedingly dark in complexion, unlike most in my family, both fathers seemed somewhat aloof as though they weren't sure where they connected. I learned piece by piece my maternal grandmother's husband had had a checkered past I think he wasn't sure he wanted to talk about. Jail for bootlegging, often too much to drink. The Navy where he feared for his life, especially as a black man in the First World War. In the backyard of the two-story that overlooked the interstate, he awkwardly told my mother one day about the German, how Joe Lewis had knocked him out, and everyone in his small house had cheered together for the first time, 
and his neighbor in his small home community, my home, had named her son after the great fighter, and that though he liked to drink, his name had got him through it. A little aloof myself, and often reticent, even blue, I saw it too, if only in pieces, in my father, my paternal grandfather, and his youngest son, a feistiness and resilience that was mysteriously growing, though sometimes it ran past the fork and slid into the bushes, the youngest, smartest uncles becoming more and more opinionated, and the other uncle, despite his battle with poor health and alcohol, was holding on to his friend as though he were a line of life. I'm going with Joe Lewis, he would say, as though leaving with Jesus or Moses. And out the farmhouse he would go as though his friend would take him almost anywhere. Even with momentary flashes of knowing where the fox went, sometimes my uncle would have so much alcohol he would give up standing. Despite my grandmother's tireless attempts to help him go into his room, he would lie on my grandfather's porch or even in the yard. In the thorny shade of the japonica bush, he would drop in and out of consciousness, mouthing words and names that were random and disconnected. One of the names, he said, was Joe, Joe Lewis, the name of his friend, the name whose mother had named him after one of the greatest colored boxers in the world. Joe, Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis, standing near him with a glass of water, I felt the muscles in my arm tighten, and without commenting on friendship or the road from the two forks, my uncle, sometimes I, had walked down barely able to stand. I handed him the cool glass of water. Thank you. I like this piece very much. In fact, I like all the pieces I write. I like all the pieces I write.